0: Good morning, Vine Church. Thank you all for braving the weather we're having today. I don't know about you guys, but I am so tired of the rain. I understand Pastor T was saying, you know, we need the rain, thankful for the rain. I don't need a pond in my backyard. Um, So I'm over that. I'm over having a three-year-old that I have to keep inside. All the mama said amen. Um, But thank you for um, braving braving the rain to be here today. We appreciate that. Um, I want to start by thanking Vine Worship for opening us today. And also, I want to start by thanking um, Pastor T for allowing me to speak to you today. But more so than that, what's important to me is that um, there are a lot of pulpits, even within a two-mile radius of here, that would never allow a woman to stand in it. Um, I know that is the way the churches I grew up in um, were. So I'm thankful to Tyler for allowing me this opportunity and other women that have stood in this pulpit. Um, Looking around the room, I know um, some of you who know my family are like, why is her family not here? And that's because I did not tell them. So (laughs) I know my mama is gonna be scrolling Facebook, see me standing on this stage and be like, what the heck? Sorry, Mom. I love you. Um, (laughs) But um, if I have not had the pleasure to meet you yet, my name is Brittany Hanvey. Um, I have been a part of the Vine Church since it was just a calling and an idea in Pastor T's head. Um, And it has been so cool to watch all that God has done here. Um, And about the Sunday before our very first Sunday, um, Alex? Myself, Tyler, and Joel, we met in the gym. It was empty. The lights were off. Smelled like a gym. um, And we just prayed for our church and what that would look like. And in that prayer, um, I kind of just said, God, we don't know what we're doing. Um, Side note, it's been six and a half years, and we're still making it up as we go along. Um, But I said, God, we don't know what we're doing, but we're here and we're listening. Um, Tell us what you would have us to do, and and that's what we'll do. And... (laughs) Since that day, I've kind of ran from standing on the stage. Um, every, single, every single year when Mother's Day came up, Pastor T's like, it's your time. And I'm like, no, it's not. And Alex is like, it's your time. And I'm like, nope. Um, but so when this Mother's Day rolled around or this, this season rolled around, of course, Alex says, are you going to do it this time? And I was like, Nope. And God kind of convicted me, and he said, hey, remember when you stood in that gym and you told me that you would listen and do what I say? When I tell you, you don't get to pick and choose which things to listen to. And I was like, but God, I meant for the church. Whatever whatever you tell the church, that's what we'll do. And he said, mm-mm, that included you too. So here I am. Um, I am... Pretty nervous, not going to lie to y'all. I can stand in front of a room of 500 people, strangers, and be perfectly fine. But standing in front of a room of people that I know personally quite honestly terrifies me. Because if this goes terrible, I have to come back and look at y'all next week. Um, So even if it does, pretend it didn't. Um, (laughs) So kind of jumping right in, I'm going to recap what Tyler talked about last week. Um, So in Ruth 1 we learn um, that there was a famine in Bethlehem. So Naomi and Elimelech take their two sons and leave their home um, looking for food, looking for a better life. Um, so they moved to Moab. Um, <clears throat> and what the, a lot of people don't necessarily know is that Moab was not a place of God. Um, the Moabite people did not follow God. They did not serve God. Um, they did not honor God. Um, it was a place of pagan worship, and it was not a place for the people of God to be. Um, so, in a way, we can kind of look and we can be like, Elimelech, what are you doing? But I think as pa- a lot of us in the room as parents, we can understand why he would do that, why he would take his family out of the place of God to look for food, um, because he was afraid that his family would ultimately die. Um, so, he, Imelime- Elimelech... And Naomi take their sons, um, and they move to Moab, and ultimately Elimelech dies. Um, And sometime later, at some point, um, his two sons marry Moabite women, and their names are um, Orpha and Ruth. And we we talked about both of them um, last week, and the Bible says about 10 years later, both of the sons also die. Um, So now that leaves Naomi, Orpha, and Ruth alone with no real way to provide for themselves. Um, And so after some time, Naomi hears that the Lord is providing for the people of Bethlehem. So she decides that it's time to go home. Right? Um, She tells her daughters-in-law, go back home. Like, my, my sons have died. I'm not going to have any more sons at this point. Um, you know, go back home to your families. Um, the Bible says that there was some dramatic weeping and d- dramatics, um, but ultimately Orpha does go back to her um, her family's home. But Ruth refuses um, and tells Naomi that she's going to go back to Bethlehem with her. Right? So Naomi takes Ruth and goes back to her home of Bethlehem, um, back to the people of God, um, where people are worshiping God, um, and we, we can see examples of this, um, of people returning home or back to God all throughout the Bible, probably the most notable being the prodigal son, um, and maybe you can relate to that in your life. Can you think of a time um, that you you were not trusting God's path, or you thought what God was telling you was not the right way, and you kind of tried to take your own, and how does that usually turn out for you? Um, but through the grace of God, um, Naomi and we are able to come back to God with nothing. And the people of God um, in Bethlehem and God welcomes Naomi back home. Um, so moving on, what we're going to talk about today is um, Ruth 2. And Ruth Ruth 2 especially, but really the whole book of Ruth, is really an account of God's provision um, for Naomi and um, for Ruth. But ultimately, it's an account of his provision for all of us, or all of us who follow Jesus, right? Um, Naomi returns home to Bethlehem with nothing but her um, daughter-in-law. They have no money, no way to provide for themselves, um, and they have to figure out a way to get food. So that's where we are going to pick up um, in verse 1. The words will be on the screen, thanks to our awesome Vine production team. But so, Ruth 2, starting in verse 1, and we're going to read to verse 6. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go into the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began gleaning began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer said, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came to the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. <clears throat> so in here, we see that they're, they're back in Bethlehem. They have no means for food. Um, say Naomi, Ruth asked Naomi, um, let me go and find food for us. Out of respect for Naomi being the elder, Ruth asked permission to provide for them, right? And so she goes out um, looking for a field that she can glean in, and by God's grace, she happened upon Boaz's field. What are the, what are the chances of that? Right, all the fields in Bethlehem, and she happened upon um, a field of her late husband's relatives. Right, we we know that that was not a happenstance, um, but so God leads her to Boaz's field. Um, The Bible tells us that Boaz is a man of standing, or some um, translations and commentaries call him a man of wealth. Um, But we can see from um, the the above scripture that he was respected, right? He was a man of God, like Tyler talked about last week, not a godly man. Um, So, and we can kind of see that in the way that his, employees worked or spoke to him right i mean he comes into the field and he says the lord be with you and everyone responds the lord bless you I don't know about y'all, but I haven't worked in many places where the boss walks in and they're like, the Lord be with you, blessing everyone and all the employees, turn around and bless them back, right? That doesn't happen very often. And if you think about it, I mean, these people, they were in the fields. This was not an office job with an air condition, right? They were sweating. They were, this was hard work. Um, so it says a lot um, of how they responded to Boaz's blessing, for them to be in that kind of climate to show the respect that they did to Boaz. Um, and it kind of made me giggle when I read, read this because it makes me think back to my days in the Baptist church when um, the pastor would say, God is good, and the congregation would say, all the time. And all the time? There you go. I've always wanted to do that, y'all. Thank you. Um, so... Um, We've talked about Boaz, now we're talking about how um, Ruth asks if she can glean the field. So back, um, or even still I assume, I I haven't harvested too many fields, but I assume, um, when you are harvesting fields there are two types of workers. There are reapers and there are gleaners, right? And reapers are paid to go in first when the harvest is ready and cut down and bundle um, the wheat, the barley stalks, um, the good part of the crop, right? They're instructed to, to do the main hard work. Um, but they're, because of Levitical law, um, they were instructed to leave the corners of the field untouched. The corners of the field um, are what most would consider the scraps um, are considered the glean right and that Levitical law can be seen in Leviticus 23 22 when you reap the harvest of the land do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you I am the Lord your God right so even before Ruth is in the fields with Boaz, God through his sovereignty is already providing for Ruth, right? He was making the provision and the opportunity long before Ruth was back in the promised land. Um, And I I want you to think about for a minute, like, can you see that in your own life? Um, Can you, like, think back of a time where um, you can kind of look back and see how God was paving the way for you, and you you didn't even know it. Um, So Ruth asked to glean the fields after the harvest, um, and when she did that, she was basically asking for the leftovers, um, and she was asking to glean it herself. She wasn't asking for a handout, um, but rather to gather them up for herself so that she could provide. Moving on to verse 8 through 13. Um, So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this she bowed with her face to the ground she asked him why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner Boaz replied I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before may the Lord repay you for what you have done may you be richly rewarded by the Lord the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. <clears throat> and Ruth replies, May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of your servant. So here, Ruth recognizes um, that without Boaz, like, they, they would starve. I mean, she recognizes um, that... Boaz has taken favor upon Ruth when she didn't have to. Um, so <clears throat> Boaz takes pity on her and tells her to stay in his field and that the women will work for him. Um, basically that she is welcome and she is safe there, um, which would not have been the case in every field um, in Bethlehem. And her response was that she bailed down to her face to the ground and asked why he you found such... such Favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner so she under she understood what a big deal that was um, and I think that this is a perfect illustration right of how God provides and protects us if you're operating in the will of God um, he will always provide for your needs and protect you now um, provision and protection doesn't mean that you won't experience hard times right I mean even when we operate in the will of God Bad things are going to happen to us. We're going to lose loved ones. We're going to lose our jobs sometimes. Um, Maybe you get a diagnosis that uh, terrifies you. I I don't know what that looks like in your life, Uh, but provision and protection, protection doesn't mean that you won't experience hard times, but it does mean that every single time and every single one of those hard times, that God will be there to guide you through it. Um, in ver- so skipping ahead, I'm not going to read verses 14 through 18, um, but basically in those verses, um, mealtime comes, um, and Boaz feeds Ruth from his table. And that's kind of a big deal too, because he doesn't know Ruth. He just kind of knows who she is. Um, but he chooses to feed her from his table, which as we've seen before, um, Boaz was a wealthy man, so this was probably the best meal that Ruth has had um, in quite some time. And the Bible says that she ate all that she wanted, um, and, and then she had leftovers. So after they eat, um, and it's time to go back to work into the fields, Boaz instructs his workers um, to let Ruth gather all she wants. So before, you know, he had told them, um, you know, let her go behind the harvesters, let her work with the women. But now at this point, he realizes who she is, and he says, let her have all she wants, um, and even tells his workers to pull out stalks from the main harvest, right? So he, he, he instructs them to pull out the good stuff um, that they have harvested and give to her. And the Bible says that um, later that day, Ruth returned home carrying an epath, which I later learned uh, means 30 pounds of harvest, and takes it and her leftovers um, from her meal with Boaz to Naomi. And I kind of giggled because I imagine like 30 pounds is about what my toddler weighs. So I just think about like, you know, they didn't have cars in that time, and I just imagine Ruth like carrying this like big, sack of barley or something on her hip like a baby like down the street going home just so proud of herself and her leftovers in her little lunchbox in the other hand um that's just how i imagine it and so um she returns home carrying that and she takes it to naomi um so ruth went to boaz's field that morning with nothing and she expected nothing right like she knew that no one here she's not from the people of Bethlehem like they owed her nothing so she went expecting nothing but god used boaz and provided all that she needs plus more right and i think that that's another illustration that we can see in our own life who what what think of a time in your life where You had nothing, but God used um, maybe the people of God to give you all you need, um, plus more. Picking back up in verse 19, I'm going to read verse 19 and 20. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice on you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working The name of the man I work with today is Boaz she said the Lord bless him Naomi said to her daughter-in-law he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead she added that man is our close relative he is our guardian redeemer okay so Ruth comes home she has all this food and Naomi's like where did you get all this not Naomi also had no expectations of what Ruth would come home with you know um, Naomi expected Ruth to come home with scraps for them just to be able to make it by and you know Naomi says where where did all this food come from because this is not what she expected and Ruth tells her um, that she's been in the field of Boaz and he, she says she being Naomi says "Um, he is our close relative and he is our guardian redeemer and I'm sure in that moment Ruth's head was like because she just happened upon um, their family's guardian redeemer and this idea um, of a guardian redeemer um, kind of dates back to every family or every clan in Israel um, the head of the family so the grandpa um, or whoever was considered uh, most worthy was considered the guardian redeemer and the guardian redeemer was responsible for the well-being of the family. Um, this was the person who was expected to come to you in your times of trouble and help you out. Um, they were expected to like rescue, ransom, buy back, recover, redeem anyone in any property that was in danger of being removed from the family um, by poverty, war, or death. Right. So the guardian redeemers of the family were... Um, the people who had the money um, and more than having the money they were the people who were willing um, they were willing to say, um, come out and meet the members of the family where they are and kind of kind of pull them out of the mess um, and that is what God does for us right um, God of course is the real guardian redeemer of this story he sent Jesus a descendant of Ruth to, Bo- to a descendant of Ruth and Boaz to pay the redemption price for our freedom, to restore us to a home in God's family, to rescue us from the evil that threatens us, and to give us a permanent home with him. Um, So, um, in closing, if you have not heard anything I've said today, I want you um, to, to take these three things away. Number one is that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Naomi and Elimelech walked away from God, expecting it to be better outside of God's promised land. But what they found was death and despair, right? Um, when you are going through a hard time, even when you know Jesus, it is so easy to follow the world, to look into the world and see the, the shiny things that the world has to offer and think um, that it's, it's better over there but the grass is not always greener on the other side. The second thing I want you to take away um, is that through God's grace, we can always come home. Um, Just like he did for Naomi, God and the people of God will always welcome you back um, when you've strayed from God. The third closing takeaway that I want you to take is that um, God will always provide for his children. He will provide physically for you and your family, And he will make a way when there seems to be no way. Um, So, um, with every head bowed and every eyes closed, every eye closed, um, I want to ask you today, are you like Naomi? Um, Maybe you have a personal relationship with Jesus, um, but, but you've strayed away from him. Like I said, the grass looked greener on the other side, and you've been trusting your own plans for your life instead of God. Uh, Maybe you've been like me and you tell God things, um, but then you pick and choose when he answers. um, And that's not God's best um, for your life. You can be in this house every single Sunday and still not be seeking the will of God for your life. Um, So I want to ask you, is God calling you to come back home? If that's you, I would love to be able to pray with you um, or pray for you. So in this moment, I just want to ask you if you feel like um, if you that you know God personally, that you've seen him work in your life, but you've kind of strayed away from his will, um, and today's the day that you want to come back home. Would you just raise your hand for me? For those of you online, um, if that's you, you can email us at hello at thevine.tv. I mean, we would love to talk to you. Um, or maybe you're like Ruth, um, and pri- prior to when she came to Bethlehem, and you haven't had that moment in your life where you've surrendered your life to Jesus. Um, I just want to give you that opportunity today. Um, If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And the people of the house is going to pray the prayer out loud for the benefit of those coming to know Jesus for the first time. So if you would repeat after me, dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step for the rest of my life the best way I know how. If, if that's you, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time and you're in the house, I ask that you let someone know today before you leave. Um, don't leave this place um, without making that known without, um,
1: without letting us know.
0: And if that's you and you're online, um, whether that be today or six months from now, maybe you're watching this, this, this sermon. Um, I ask that you email us at the hello at the I mean, we would love to talk to you and get you connected, um, but I'm going to pray, and then the vine worship is going to come back out. Dear Jesus, um, thank you, Lord, that you provide for us the same way that you provided for Ruth and Naomi, Jesus. Thank you, God, that we're able to come into this place, Lord, that we're, we're able to turn a stinky gym every single Sunday into holy ground, Lord, where we can come and we can worship you. I pray for every heart, Lord, who did some business with you today, God. I pray that um, you would give people the courage that they need, Jesus, um, to speak out, to let someone know, um, God, so that we can encourage them. We pray that you would keep us safe as we leave this place today and be with us as we um, continue worshiping. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: stand and sing with us justice and mercy embrace there the son of god gave his life for us and our measureless debt was Christ the
2: good. I'm just kidding. We're so thankful y'all are here today. Didn't Brittany Ham do an amazing job? It's so awesome. I'm thankful for the women of our Vine fam and pointing to Jesus and all that we do. As you can see, uh, that's all we want to do. It's not about our name. Hey, Boaz wasn't trying to get his name up there because it's okay because sometimes your Boaz is your broke. I'm just, Anyway, we will, wherever you are, we are so thankful that you are here. And just like Brittany said all the way through And we just saying, if our eyes are on Jesus, everything else is going to melt away. If our eyes are on Jesus as our provision, if our eyes are on Jesus as our Redeemer, if we've tried to hold on to it, it's not going to work. But when we release it to Him and trust Him to do what only He can do, I don't know about you, but He's always come through, right? Always. And guess what? He still will because no eye has seen or ear has heard. What he has for his children, right? So as you go out into this week, go share his joy. Go share what you learned today. Go share what Jesus had for you today and get your fanny back here next week because we are going to have baby dedication. We've got all kinds of crazy food over there and, I mean, and it's going to be nuts. It's, it, it, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be awesome. So make sure that you make plans to be here. Have an awesome week and always remember the best is still yet to come.